Welcome back to Off the Cuff, Evacor Healthcare's podcast. I'm Emily Coe, your host. Today, we're going to talk about Evacor's specialized therapies. And to do that, we have Dr. Shanta Van Lannan, Dr. Laura Bites Walters, and Dr. Mark Leichter. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Emily. And we have Hi. special guest, Tater, Tater Van Lannan. Hi, Tater. <laughs> 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 which makes this off the rough, not necessarily <laughs> off the cuff. <laughs> I botched that joke. Shanta, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, my name is Shanta Van Lannan. I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I have been working with Avacor for eight years. And before that, I ran a private acupuncture practice in Northern Wisconsin. Great. Thank you. Laura. Hello, uh, my name is Laura Walters. I'm a physical therapist and I am the director of uh, specialized therapies for physical occupational and speech therapy for Evacor Healthcare. I've worked for Evacor for 12 years now. Prior to that, um, I did practice uh, primarily outpatient orthopedics. However, I also did uh, pediatric care as well as some neuro and vestibular rehab. Wonderful, thank you. Mark, how about you? Sure. Thank you, Emily. Uh, my name is Mark Leichter. I've been in practice for about 30 years now, and I am a chiropractor, and I do head up the chiropractor acupuncture massage division at Evacor, and i um, been in utilization management now for 20 plus years. So it's good to see everyone and looking forward to this. Great. Thank you. And just before we really get started, just in a nutshell, so folks know um, what we mean by specialized therapies, uh, Evacor, we use uh, affectionately use the term POSTCAM, which is an acronym for physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, and massage. Did I miss anything? That was you it. Got it. Well. Okay, great. So that's POSTCAM, and the great folks here represent that wonderful program. So, so let's get started. Tell us about the POSTCAM program. What's your primary Focus. I know we we refer to post cam a lot in context of conservative therapy, conservative care. Does someone care to just kind of jump in and tell us what that means? Sure, sure, I will. So at uh, Evacor, as Emily said, we do uh, label it as post cam, which involves all the specialized therapies. So the two names go hand in hand. And what we offer is we offer that these services complement other medical uh, avenues, other medical procedures, other medical treatments, and gives providers another avenue to get their patients better at the right place and at the right time by choosing and selecting one of these uh, post-CAM that we call it uh, techniques. Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, um, if someone is um, considering spine surgery, um, they would have to go through um, a certain course of um, you know, physical therapy or chiropractic or acupuncture prior to that? Sure, I'll let Laura talk about okay. that, but for the most part, you know, post-surgicals and other, uh, you know, po most post-surgical or pre-surgical procedures are handled by uh, physical therapists. So I'll let Laura take that. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Yes. So to answer your question, typically, uh, you know, barring any emergency type uh, situations that may be out there, a patient would partake in uh, physical therapy prior to having spinal surgery. And this not only 
you know, addresses their immediate symptoms and shows them uh, possible exercises or strengthening type um, exercises that they could do on their own at home to better manage their symptoms that they have now. But it's an educational component as well to help them long-term, especially with that, um, that post-op, that immediate post-op uh, period as well before they can get back into therapy to kind of educate them on what they should and should not be doing in that immediate term and to answer any questions and to show them some um, you know, basic uh, core strengthening exercises that they might be able to do in the meantime to, to help uh, with kind of give them that better outcome. Yeah. Do you ever find that the um, physical therapy um, prevents them from needing surgery or that they're able to um, achieve um, their activities of daily living and so forth um, and reduce pain? Absolutely. And that is usually why we state, you know, post-CAM treatments or the conservative care should be the first stop. And that's, you know, before any injections, before any diagnostic imaging, because a large, large percentage of, you know, nonspecific spinal pain will resolve within that first couple of weeks with conservative treatment and not require the more invasive techniques. Wonderful. And what's the difference between, just for the audience, the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy? Occupational therapy is more, um, helps the patient with their activities of daily living. You see this a lot with, um, with when you're looking at adults with the uh, maybe post-stroke care, helping them uh, get back on doing their activities of daily living, where physical therapy is, is more, um, you look at it more uh, larger body regions, you know, helping somebody with, with ambulation or walking, that would be handled more with physical therapy, where an occupational therapy might be um, helping that stroke patient, um, you know, in the kitchen or, or doing, you know, helping them cook a meal or, or getting that, those, those more precise activities that, that they need help relearning. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, and Shanta, um, folks might be surprised to hear that we have um, that massage and acupuncture therapies are represented at Evacor. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the indications um, where uh, massage and acupuncture are, 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 are warranted? Um, you know, the, uh, just tell us a little bit more about when that's used. Sure, of course. So, um, you know, to kind of um, add on to what Laura and Mark were talking about in the the, the spectrum pre and post surgical care, um, acupuncture and massage therapy are uh, adjunctive therapies that may be tried uh, at any point in the spectrum, um, either as a course of care prior to surgery or in the post surgical context, um, along with physical therapy or occupational therapy. Um, both acupuncture and massage therapy are used primarily for musculoskeletal complaints. Um, so that could be either pain or difficulties with um, functional activities, you know, daily activities. Um, acupuncture um, also has indications for some non-musculoskeletal conditions. For example, um, acupuncture can be a good adjunct for um, uh, some cancer-related symptoms, and also it can be a good adjunct for anxiety and depression symptoms. 
I want to emphasize here that it's an adjunct. It's not a replacement for, um, for conventional standard care. But when used together, there can be improved outcomes. Wonderful. That's fascinating. Thank you. Mark, did you want to add anything to what was discussed already? Uh, no, I'll talk about chiropractics in, in, the, in the big picture here because it complements uh, pre and post surgicals also, as well as the patient's health in general. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, chiropractic folks focuses on the relationship between the body's main structures, the skeleton, the muscles, and the nerves, and more importantly, the patient's health overall. Mm -hmm. Chiropractors, uh, they believe that the health can be improved by preserving, by making these uh, spinal adjustments, what chiropractors do. And uh, they particularly pay close attention to the spinal column. They do treat, as I said, the nerves and muscles. Uh, patients can benefit from the nerves and muscles and the skeleton. And uh, they don't prescribe drugs, which a lot of people question, and they don't perform surgical procedures. And uh, they know when to refer out to uh, uh, medical avenues to further assist and complement the patient's care to get the best outcomes as in all of these uh, specialized therapies that we're all talking about. Great. And everything you've described in my mind seems like an in-person treatment or therapy um, how did you handle this during COVID? Were folks still going to, you know, clinics to have this work done, or were you able to do some of this um, through telehealth? So uh, I'll take it first. So from a chiropractic standpoint, it made it very difficult, obviously. Chiropractic is a hands-on profession. However, there is a, a large component that could be talked on the phone, discussed on a face-to-face -face -face also to help benefit the patient. Chiropractors can give some exercises, some stretching to help benefit the patient during that, you know, non-face-to-face -face, uh, time during that COVID uh, time. So it, there was a benefit to telemedicine, to, uh, so chiropractors were able to perform it. And um, I'll let uh, Shanta or Laura discuss on their uh, specialties, how COVID and telemed, uh, they handle that. Pretty much the same as chiropractic. Obviously, acupuncture is hands-on for the most part. So um, whenever there were uh, mandatory closures in any area, um, uh, patients could potentially seek um, you know, consultative services and other adjunct services. But obviously, acupuncture cannot be performed via telemedicine. So, um, But physical therapy, however, does lend itself to telemedicine, right, Laura? Yes, that's actually what I was getting into as well. We were actually very successful um, utilizing telehealth for physical therapy during COVID. Um, a lot of uh, what physical therapists do is, is functional-based, right? And by viewing a patient over, you know, a camera, a lot of patients use FaceTime with, with their iPhone. You were able to tell, um, for example, the the amount of range of motion or how high they were able to lift their arms by asking them to do some simple movements in their own home and then customizing, you know, some exercises or walking them through something that they could do to improve that. There are also several research articles that are out with physical therapy and telemedicine as well that has shown that it, it is quite effective in, in treating patients when they are unable to be seen in person. Great. And that might work to the benefit of a lot of patients. You know, we talk a lot about social determinants of health with transportation being a significant issue um, um, that can get in the way of folks getting the appropriate care um, at the right time. So it seems like, I guess, if there is a silver lining 
um, over the past year and a half, it was um, the increase in telemedicine um, for folks. Um, to, you know, they can actually get care at home. We've worked that out for a lot of um, different uh, types of therapies. So great. And when we talk about conservative care, what time frame are we thinking? Four, six weeks, 12 weeks, months? Well, depending on the specialty that we're talking about, it's, it varies, okay? It also varies whether we were talking about pre-surgical, post-surgical, or just general health uh, or daily activities of living. So, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to put a time frame on whether a patient's going to respond in a set amount of time, but four to six weeks is a nice conservative measurement, okay, to see progress. We want to make sure that there's progress by the patient and uh, how they're doing day to day. Yeah. And that holds true for physical therapy as well. Um, typically, as I, I know I mentioned before, but your nonspecific, your acute pain, it, it resolves within typically that four to six week range. So that gives you an idea at that point as to, you know, what that patient is actually needing if they are requiring additional care. Okay. And is it the same for acupuncture, massage, Shanta? Right. Yes, of course. So um, just just to kind of reflect on what Laura and Mark said, it, it depends um, on the type of injury, the severity of the injury. Um, but in general, we should be able to see some some progress within four to six weeks. We know if we're on the right track or not. Yeah. Okay. And in the specialized therapies program, we're not reviewing for um, technique per se, we're reviewing for number of visits. Is that accurate across the board for the specialized therapies program? Correct. Okay. okay. We're looking for, oh, we're, we're actually looking for medical necessity, how the patient's progressing. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and on average, if someone, I mean, how many visits typically um, would one expect um, to have over a, a course of conservative treatment or even post-surgical? That's entirely dependent upon the patient's presentation. Okay. Absolutely. So you get a, a post-surgical case is obviously more severe than somebody who sprains their wrist, you know. Right, yeah. It, it's all dependent upon that patient presentation and severity and how they are uh, responding to the treatment provided. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Laura. It's uh, the most important is how the patient's improving, functioning, and what their outcomes are. So every patient yeah. responds at different intervals. So th that's what's being watched. Let's talk about the overall goal of um, the specialized therapies program. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, the intent of medical necessity review um, and also um, how the guidelines are created? I know, you know my team works with you all um, with guidelines to a certain degree. Um, you know, how's the evidence procured um, for the guidelines uh, uh, to make sure that we are providing patients the, the best care um, available to them? Would someone care to elaborate? Um, I think the program in general is to see, we wanna make sure that the patient's progressing. We wanna see functional improvement. We're, uh, we're there to assist and look at the patient's responses, their functional outcomes. Okay, and our guidelines, we've developed the guidelines through the through research and criteria and a high level criteria. Let me exp uh, express that. 
And the most important thing, we get a lot of questions from providers. Well, what about if there's new information? What about uh, if they find information? We are open. We do take all requests in from providers regarding our guidelines. Um, so uh, providers, they are public. They could see them on our website and we do talk about them. So providers can always call in. So uh, we're, very, uh, we're very happy with the strength of our guidelines and the information that's in them. And uh, that's across the board. So uh, we, uh, we, you know, the patients are definitely monitored through the guidelines criteria and how the patient progresses. Our program is, is an, an evidence-based approach. Our criteria that we utilize across all of our specialized therapy is updated uh, at least yearly based on all of the uh, research that comes out within that year. And our, our goal at Evacor is to ensure that the patient is receiving the best evidence-based clinical approach to their functional outcome, their condition, and um, ensuring that they're receiving the best care possible and that they're responding appropriately. When you state conservative care, sometimes people just think of, oh, well, that's physical therapy or, oh, that's chiropractic. But I think it's important to also kind of understand that it's a lot more than that, which, you know, <laughs> I'm so glad we have Shanta on the call to elaborate on that as well. But um, just because, you know, if, if you have physical therapy and maybe you had a couple sessions of physical therapy and, you know, you still have back pain and maybe that wasn't the right approach for you. Um, maybe another conservative care or specialized therapy would be better suited for you. So at Evacor, we're looking at, at a patient as, as a whole. Everyone is an individual and therefore, you know, everyone's treatment is pretty much customizable based on how they're going to you know, respond to that treatment being provided. And I'll add on to that as well. Um, I think one of the strengths of Evacor services is that we have dedicated specialists for um, every kind of specialty. And um, we have teams within each specialty. In, in terms of acupuncture, I can't speak for all the other teams, but for acupuncture, it's it's constant work. It's a constant uh, review of the literature. We're, we're dedicated to having the most current evidence-based clinical guidelines. So um, that is, that's a lot of work. And what we're doing is we're doing comprehensive literature reviews and assessment to make sure that we are including all of the highest quality literature that is coming out and the most recent literature. And then we update our guidelines annually based on that, that current high quality literature. And then our medical necessity review is based on those most current uh, high quality literature reviews. So um, to kind of repeat what everybody else has been saying, that's how we make sure that that patients are, you know, receiving the right type of care. And then we make sure it's the right time by doing those medical necessity reviews to ensure that the response is as expected. Yeah, and you made a really great point, um, Shanta, um, about the teams that we have folks representing these specialty areas working with the guidelines, reviewing the cases. Um, they really know um, the, the evidence, the content, um, and they understand how um, to work with patients. So um, they really understand the process um, that a patient would be going through. That's really great. Um, aside from our clinical teams, um, we have um, we also have provider engagement teams. And one of, one of the strengths of Evacor is that 
we're really dedicated to trying to make life as easy as possible for our providers. We're trying to be a partner to our providers. And, um, you know, we're constantly listening to their feedback and um, we're dedicated to process improvement. We are always working to do whatever we can to make the process of medical necessity review as easy as possible for our providers to make sure those patients are getting care as quickly as possible. And um, it, one of the ways that we do that is um, maintaining relationships with professional associations, um, like, for example, the American Physical Therapy Association. So um, in that way, we, we make sure we have a, a, a constant ongoing conversation with um, our provider groups and that we're, we're serving our pro providers the best way that we can. Um, we do. I want to just talk about what Shanta brought up. It's an excellent point about our provider engagement. We also offer peer-to-peer -peer communications with the mm -hmm. providers. Okay, so we give the providers the option and the time if they want to communicate with a, a, a member from the same provider. Uh, provider group. So a, a PT could talk to another PT, a chiropractor could talk to another chiropractor, an acupuncture could talk to another acupuncture. So we do have that option and we try every which way to help, uh, you know, communicate with the providers when there's a need. I'd like to touch on too the uh, medical necessity portion that Shanta brought up as well. We've worked hard at Evacor to try and ensure that the provider's experience with us is as I guess is least amount of burden that we could place on right. the provider at any one time. And we have developed uh, what we call internally is our core path process, which allows a provider to submit a request online with a minimal amount of clinical information. Um, just, you know, just offhand talking about patient severity, type of condition, and how that patient is responding to care. And we're able to return a real-time response to that provider with, as I said, a minimal amount of clinical information required from that provider. So as long as the patient does not have any specific comorbidities that may be um, affecting their care adversely, they're able to get that response back very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it, we don't want to stand in the way of, of that um, authorization. So they're able to go ahead and treat that patient just as quickly as needed. So typically, are we looking at hours or days um, for a turnaround? Those uh, that are submitted on the web with uh, the clinical information that is required are real-time responses. So they put that in and they get that response back. Should something need to come to review, it could take a little bit longer, but you're talking anywhere between, um, you know, hours or days mm -hmm. to get that response back. But as I said, the web and those real-time responses are just the best way to go ahead and submit and get the care just as quickly as needed for your patient. Do, do delays typically come um, because uh, not complete information is provided um, for the patient? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's why I kind of wanted to put in there, as long as you're submitting uh, or answering the clinical questions asked. If yeah. we do not get a, you know, a full clinical picture, it makes it more difficult for our, our clinical team to review and determine the appropriate amount of care necessary. Mm -hmm. So it may delay things a little bit while we try and get that information that we need. Yeah. And what types of comorbidities could delay the process? It would depend. Um, perhaps the patient isn't progressing as the provider thought. Maybe this is the, um, you know, not the first time that the patient, that the provider has asked for care. 
maybe the patient has gotten worse or maybe symptoms have progressed, um, things like that. Things that um, we may need more information to determine what the next best course of treatment is for this patient yeah. and how much care would be needed. Yeah, there's usually a plethora of comorbidities. So the providers usually submit that and give that information, which assists our team to make those, render those decisions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, does it make the most sense for clients to have our spine joint and pain program in conjunction with the specialized therapies program since the conservative care um, and post-surgical care typically goes along with those treatments? We have found uh, that the post-CAM, the specialized therapies actually assists and minimize some of the advanced procedures being used and needed. So, you know, whether you're talking the PTO, TST, Chiraki massage, they all benefit, hopefully minimizing the need for the advanced procedures. And then when the procedures are needed afterwards, the PTO, TST, Cairo, practic, acupuncture, and massage can also help the recovery process. Um, so um, it, it's hard for me to imagine pain, spine, and joint services without specialized service, specialized therapies. So walk me through, let's say we have a surgeon um, with a patient who um, they feel might need spine fusion um, surgery. Um, would that um, patient then be um, sent over to the post-CAM, the specialized therapies program um, for the conservative treatment, or would the conservative treatment have um, occurred prior to that spine fusion um, surgery request? So in the big picture, you know, if the patient's ready for surgery, the surgeon has made their decision that the surgery is there. You do want to have a course of care if the patient is eligible to have uh, some kind of uh, specialized therapy prior, okay? It helps strengthen all the ligaments, all the uh, muscles, everything around the area be prior to surgery. You can get a better outcomes. Mm -hmm. You also have the post-surgical. So it uh, reflects, uh, depends on what the provider is suggesting as well. Okay. Yeah, I think it could be either or both. And Correct. that, of course, just depends on the patient's exact condition and the, um, the physician's recommendations. As practitioners, how have you seen technology change your environment for um, interacting with patients and um, with specialized therapies? Um, are you able to use the apps and um, different things that are just available to folks um, for tracking um, their wellness? I, I think in the office settings, I think that's uh, probably, uh, you know, the, the wave of technology is very helpful to providers. And I think in each of our professions, it differs of what, what, uh, what they could use and what they can't use, mm -hmm. what's important, what's not important. I think um, one, of, one of the ways technology is helping um, uh, providers in um, small offices, like you might you know, frequently find acupuncturists and massage therapists is um, the ability to um, have apps for those outcome assessments. So that can be, um, you know, you can have an app for the outcome assessment and then the patient could fill out their um, their survey about right. their condition. Um, and, and then that's so easily um, 
trackable and reportable. Um, so I think that that's a one uh, really uh, great way that the apps are helping um, small providers like acupuncturists and massage therapists. Yeah, that's great. You can track pain during the day. Um, mm -hmm. When's it occurring? Um, is it immediately after you've done something? That kind of thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. all, all helpful. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that patients are skeptical about some of these um, therapies? Um, I'll take it first. Um, you know, chiropractor has been around for, you know, uh, since the late 1800s. And I will tell you, there's a lot of myths out there about chiropractors that a lot of people have neg negative connotations with. Um, two of the biggest myths are chiropractors aren't real doctors. Chiropractors, I will tell you, are licensed in all states in this country. They have gone through the schooling. They have all the knowledge. They, they get their knowledge. They get their undergrad. They go on for further education, further graduate, further certification, and of course, getting licensed in each state. They do take national boards and they get licensed in each state. So one of those myths, uh, it's well documented how much education they go through from uh, understanding the human body and all components and parts to that human body, as well as exercise and uh, philosophies and science behind each and every one of those. The, uh, other, the other biggest myth is, uh, you know, the care, the cost involved in chiropractic, okay? And that's another myth because on the, on the totem pole of uh, procedures, you know, a lot of the specialized therapy is cost effective in how the patients respond to care, the time it takes for them to respond to care. So, you know, if a treatment is a, uh, on average across the country, maybe 40 to 100, $150, okay? When that cost is taken into account other, into other specialties, the cost is there, the savings is there. And the most important thing is the patient's getting the right care at the right time and we're getting the response. As I said earlier, if the patient's not responding, then we have other alternatives. The providers do have other alternatives. And chiropractors are knowledgeable and understand when it's time to refer and send out to the right specialty at the, at the time. From a physical therapy standpoint, there is um, skepticism as well. Um, I've had uh, patients in the past who have asked me, you know, what is this exercise going to do that's going to solve my back pain? Or, you know, I I can do this or have been doing something similar and, and nothing is, is helping. You're not going to help me either. It's a matter of um, education on the right moves and when you should be doing the right type of, of movements and exercises at the right time. It's also extremely important um, to focus on follow through. I can't tell you how many patients that, uh, you know, physical therapy didn't help me or I'm not getting any better, right. but I may have saw, seen them in the office maybe twice a week for maybe 30 minutes at a time and there was no follow through at home. That, you know, to be honest, there needs to be that follow through. You can't do something once and have it magic. It's not a magic pill. You know, it's teaching someone the skills and the tools that they need in order to maintain that on their own, they, where you're teaching them new, new techniques that they're going to be able to utilize really. If they have chronic back pain, they're gonna be doing something like this for, for a long, long time. They need to be able to learn and, and do that on their own. Right, instead they're like, I want the pills, give me drugs yeah. to help with my back pain. <laughs>
You know, uh, yeah, Emily, I just want to add to what Laura said, because the most important thing, what we're all saying and what we want is the patients to get back to their normal activities of daily living. Okay. So whichever specialized therapy, whatever the route is, we want them to get back to what they were doing prior to that injury, prior to going to that doctor. So that's what the goal is to see what, how they can get to that point. And uh, all, you know, all these different specialized therapies is getting, having it done at the right time. Well, and if you follow any kind of professional sports, you know that physical therapy works because basketball players, baseball players, football, they're always getting injured. They're out for three weeks or a couple of months going through physical therapy, and then they return and they're playing like they did before. So, so we know it works just, um, well, hold on. <laughs> Emily, I totally, I totally agree with that, but it's about everything, not just PT. Chiropractic right. works, acupuncture, Chiropractic, massage, yes. all works. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's what this is all about, Emily. I, I, I would jump in. I mean, to answer your question, Emily, are, are patients skeptical of acupuncture? Oh, yeah, of course they are. People are skeptical, skeptical of acupuncture, even if their medical doctor referred them, even if they had a friend or family member that had really good results with acupuncture. They're always coming in saying, is it going to work for me? And there's always a question of, is this just placebo effect? You know, people, people wonder, is this really work or is it just in my head? Um, and um, so that's a myth about acupuncture. It's not just placebo effect. Um, there is a plethora of high quality research demonstrating that acupuncture is effective far beyond a placebo effect. Um, and to... Um, to reiterate what Laura was saying about the importance of follow through, you know, just going, just going to one or two visits is not enough. Um, with conservative care, the, the purpose is to give the patient um, some tools and some assistance so that they can make the lifestyle changes um, to, to help correct and manage their problem to prevent the need for surgeries or drugs hopefully. Um, so the same goes with acupuncture. It's not necessarily a one and done. Um, it's, it's something that um, even though you might feel results, some results immediately after one treatment, typically there needs to be a series of treatment to get the maximum results. Um, so just the same, this, it needs to be thought of like a therapy, um, not like a pill. Yeah, that's great. And do folks typically, so they'll have a course of acupuncture therapy, um, do they need to cut, like, what's the, how long is the effect? So is it um, a forever effect for some indications or do they need to come back every six months or every you know, two to three years? Um, so, um, of course, the answer to that question is it depends. <laughs> of course, it depends on so many things. You know, what what is the underlying condition, um, you know, does a person somehow re-injure themselves? Do they have other illnesses or injuries mm -hmm. that are aggravating that initial thing that they came in for? So all of that is, it depends. But to give you a general idea, there's a lot of research that shows even for chronic pain, and now I'm just talking about pain because that's you know the most common thing acupuncture is used for, um, but even for chronic pain, a course of say 10 to 15 visits over three to four months tends to have a long lasting effect um, up to six to 12 months. Um, usually that's where the, um, the research follow-up stops. So we, we can't really say beyond that, but what we can say with certainty is that a course of acupuncture treatment 
tends to have lasting effects. So, you know, how do, how do people access acupuncture or other um, conservative uh, therapies? So um, it, it, it can go both ways. So they may be referred from their medical doctor or they may come in off the street. And so we're just, we're part of the spectrum. So patients may, um, may start with an acupuncturist or a chiropractor or a physical therapist. And if they're not getting the expected results, they should be referred on, right? But for at, in, at some point in the spectrum, they may be seeing their medical doctor and they may be recommended to try a course of those conservative therapies. So it could go either way. My background is health promotion, behavior change, and I know when you're trying to get um, individuals and communities to engage in lifestyle changes, I mean, that's hard to do. People don't want to change the way they eat. They, you know, make excuses for exercise, uh, for not exercising and, uh, or you know, taking time to meditate or do yoga, whatever. So I can imagine that um, you have the same challenges in what you do as well, because it does require some lifestyle change. It takes um, just going back to the practitioner's office for care um, is a behavior, um, working that into your routine. So um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, uh, I think that the most important thing, and you bring up an amazing point, is patients need to follow the provider's plan of care. Okay. And when patients fall out of that, they're not following the provider's care. So it gets frustrating for the provider just as much that the patient, you know, may slip, may have a, a regression in their uh, uh, case. Okay. So the provider has a communication with the patient. They talk about a plan of care and follow through with it. And that's part of what the whole plan is to get the patient on the right, uh, the right program. Thank you all so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've had so much fun talking to you. Uh, Laura, Shanta, Mark, and Tater. Have a great rest of your week. And um, thank you again for your participation. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.